0: Let's pray together for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the way it's blessed and encouraged and challenged your people down the centuries. As we gather around it today, we pray that you would speak to us afresh. And we pray this in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Spirit. Amen. New Year should be a time of optimism and excitement. Yet I know many of you look ahead to 2023 with apprehension. The cost of living too high, waiting times in the NHS too long, illegal migration far too much. Who said these words this week? Do you remember who said that? our Prime Minister. In a speech he said these and and many other words. It's quite unusual for a Prime Minister to admit that things aren't good. Usually the leader of a party and of our country would do their best to put the best possible spin on things. But he was acknowledging that things aren't good And when you chat, when you talk to people, it seems that that is a view that is shared very widely. Everyone seems clear that life isn't good in Britain at present. Now, don't get me wrong, this time of year is not normally a time of year when you hear a lot of optimism. The wonder and the joy of Christmas has passed. These first few weeks in January are always difficult There's always a heaviness around. When you add to that the sense of a still emerging from a a once-in-a-lifetime-we-hope pandemic, you could be forgiven for saying, well, is it just a feeling of being a bit down at heel, down in in the dumps? But actually, it does feel more than that. Inflation, the cost of living unprecedented strikes in the NHS problems with the ambulances the rail dispute the postal strikes things could go on and on and to be honest if you lift your eyes a little bit further and you look out a bit further beyond our own nation we're a bit short of good news aren't we Ukraine Somalia Yemen Afghanistan, Syria, Iran, the list goes on and on. And perhaps most worryingly of all, lurking behind all our unease is this sense that the planet is changing and changing far too fast and everyone seems helpless to stop it. It's really easy to be concerned Worried, stressed, or even despairing. So what do we do? How do we as believers, how do we as people looking to Jesus, how do we respond to this situation? Hope is in short supply, isn't it? But I hope that by looking at the grounds of our hope, we can begin to change the temperature, both in our own lives and in our immediate context and community. We've had some verses read from Romans chapter 5, and I'm just going to read them through again because they are so rich and so wonderful Paul writes, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. How do we respond to the situation we find ourselves in? Firstly, we remind ourselves of the truths of our faith. Paul writes that we have been justified through faith. This foundational step, this this amazing truth that as we accept all that God has done for us in Jesus, whether we feel we fully or even partially understand it, nonetheless we know That in Jesus, God has stepped into our world to share all that it is, to carry its burdens and its sins all the way to the cross, to deal with them there. And through his death and resurrection, to say that evil and sin and death will not have the last word. That sin is dealt with and death is defeated and we are free to come home. Earlier in the letter to the Romans, Paul writes this, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace. This is the truth that we know. We have probably may well have heard hundreds of times, but it is nonetheless the foundational part of our faith. We cannot do it for ourselves. So God has stepped into our world, our Emmanuel, the word made flesh, to do it for us. To carry all these things to the cross And to deal with them. And all we are asked to do is accept, to receive, to be justified through this acceptance. Justified by faith. And having embraced this truth, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace One of the great words of scripture, one of the great gifts of the Jewish faith is to give us this vision of what peace means in their beautiful, powerful, glorious word, shalom. We thank them so much for giving this to the world, this vision of a restored peace with God with ourselves, with our neighbors, with our community, with creation itself. Not just the absence of noise or even the absence of conflict, but a deep and profound experience of oneness with God, with ourselves, with our neighbors, our community, and with creation. What a beautiful word, and we thank our Jewish friends for sharing this with us justified by faith we find peace and having found peace having found this oneness with God we are invited in invited in through grace another of the the powerful and beautiful words of Scripture the love of God poured out for us unearned unmerited undeserved but nonetheless Poured out for us through Jesus, and this grace does two things for us. Firstly, it invites us in. Forgive me, I'm going to read you a poem. It's a it's an old poem, so if some of the language is a bit weird, then just just bear with me. This is a chap called George Herbert, and he's writing a poem about the Lord. And he he calls the Lord love to start with, but you'll get it. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes? But I. Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, said love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. Grace welcomes us in. And asks us to take our place fully, openly, freely at the table of the Lord. Remember how the Psalm 23 finishes. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. It rings true, doesn't it, that poem? We feel that we don't have the right to come in. And if we do, then at least we're going to have to be a servant. That is not the grace of God. The grace of God says, you are here by my invitation. And I want you to sit and eat and be my guest. Faith, peace, grace. A grace in which we now stand. This is probably a little bit too much detail, but just bear with me. I love my father-in-law for many, many reasons, but one of the reasons I love him is that he has the most wonderful showers in his house. He always has, okay, ever since I've known him. And please, I'm not pleading, don't get me wrong, it's just... The Church of England doesn't supply great showers, okay? You just press the vicarage and you stand there. It works, it works it's all good, then all great. His a great, honestly. You stand up there and you go, whoa, let's stay here all day. Standing under the grace of God is like that. It's like that. It's just finding the best shower. Because his love just keeps coming. He so said, I've done it again, I don't care, I still love you. Entered and standing, invitation and ongoing reality. This is what God does for us. We are justified by faith. We have peace with him. We enter into his presence and there we stand under his grace. If all that were not enough, we get to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. As I'm sure you know in Scripture, hope is not like our hope when we say we're hoping for the best. Hope in Scripture is a joyful and confident expectation that God will keep His promises. Everything that He has done for us in Jesus, everything that He has promised for us, we look forward to it with a sense of joy. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, that His promises of returning of putting all things right, of the new heavens and the new earth coming, of everything being restored, for us finding the tree of life. And what will the tree of life give us? It will give us its leaves for the healing of the nations. Everything will be back as it was at the beginning, only better. It was perfect in the beginning, but it will be even better then. These are the truths of our faith. Faith, peace, grace, hope. As we look into this new year, it's good to remind ourselves of this, these truths. If you like, a kind of doctrinal hope, not doctrine like something dry and dull and boring. Doctrine, in the sense of these are the truths of our faith. This is what makes us Christians. This is what reaches out to us in and through Jesus. It's brilliant. But Paul is honest. And he goes on to say these words. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. The reason this passage rings true is not just because it is full of the truths of our faith, it also rings true because it is true about the situation that we find ourselves in, the situation that Paul found himself in there is suffering there are difficulties there are obstacles there are things that happen which we wish didn't happen but Paul is both honest about it and then says but look as you go through these things you can trust that the God who has given you all these beautiful truths will also stand next to you and you will find that those truths become true in your experience, that you actually find that he is with you in your suffering. He is with you in your challenges. He is with you in your struggles and your disappointments, in your highs and your lows. And because he is with you, you can rejoice. Not in some silly masochism that says, I'm having a hard time, so that must be good, so I need to try and smile. It isn't like that. Jesus did his thing and he suffered. Those who have followed after him down the centuries have suffered we are following in the footsteps of Jesus. Suffering becomes a means by which we reach a greater maturity in our faith. Just as the God who has been faithful to me through the great truths of our faith is also faithful to me in the little struggles of my life, I find that my sense of his presence, my own perseverance, my character being transformed into his character. I have found him to be faithful personally to me. And so I believe he is the same and he will be faithful to me and to all his people in the big promises of Scripture. And where does that lead us? It leads us. To hope. So, just as if the great truths lead us to hope, our own experience leads us to hope. He has led us this far. He is not going to let us down. And thirdly, and I want to say perhaps most gloriously of all, we have this promise. Paul makes it clear that everyone who has taken that first tiny step of saying lord i look to you i look to you i don't understand it all i don't understand everything that happens at the cross i find some of the things that, that are in the bible i find it quite difficult but I look to you because I know that in you there is something I cannot find anywhere else. When we have taken that first tiny step, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to pour out God's love in our hearts and minds those who have been justified by faith, who have tasted God's peace, who have been invited into the grace of God, begin to have the Spirit pouring out God's love into our hearts. And isn't it a beautiful phrase? It's not a pipette or, or, or even a measuring jug. It's poured out. It's the same words that are used on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit is poured out on all flesh. But here, it's not the fire and the wind and the tongues and the dramatic things that happen on the day of Pentecost. Here, it is the experience of being loved. To be absolutely honest, sometimes when I read the day of Pentecost... And I know as a, as a believer, I am called to pray, Come Holy Spirit. Sometimes I find myself thinking, I'm not sure about the wind and the fire and, and, and all of this. You know, wind knocks things down and fire burns things. And, and it all looks a bit, a bit sort of, a, a teeny bit scary. Now, please don't get me wrong. Okay, you're all thinking, oh, faithless vicar. Okay, all right, I'm sure when it comes, it'd be great. It'd be great. The reason I'm saying this is because this is wonderful, isn't it? I can pray for God's Spirit to be poured out so that we all know we are loved. Because despite all our technological advances, all the, the, the changes and developments of our modern society, what all of us need, deep down, is to know that we are loved. And when we are And when we know that, we begin to become the people God wants us to be. We stop going round in ever-decreasing circles, trying to find that kind of affirmation from all the sorts of ways that we know don't actually work. We stop hearing the words of our society which tell us we are less than what we should be, and therefore we should buy this or pay for that or do this. We actually find out where life begins because it begins in this deep and profound experience of being loved. At the beginning of 2023, do we dare to hope? Yes, we do, because of the truths of our faith because the experience of having God with us and because of the Holy Spirit pouring out God's love into our hearts. We are people full of hope. We are hopeful people. And even in 2023 Britain, even in the world of 2023, we can still have hope. And who knows, maybe as we carry Jesus out, we become the hope of the world. Amen.